Welcome to the Emmanuel Church Podcast, where we believe God is with us and speaks to us wherever we're at, whether at work, home, or on the move. We'd love for you to be connected with us by visiting us at myemmanuelchurch.com or any social media platform using at myemmanuelchurch. Thanks for being with us, and we hope you enjoy this message. Today, I will not be sharing the word this morning. I'm taking a little bit of a break from my birthday week in celebration. Um, and so in my place, we have our e-groups director, also my brother, who is going to be sharing the word this morning. And I want to go ahead and welcome Jonathan up to the stage. And if you would give him a warm welcome to hear, uh, to share the word with us. Thank you, brother. Uh, thank you, Gabriel, for letting me have the opportunity to share at Emmanuel Church this morning. Like uh, he said, I'm not just, uh, well, I am preaching, but I'm also giving him a break. What he didn't say is today is we're celebrating his birthday, and it's also Pastor's Appreciation Day. So we're appreciating Gabriel and Lajinska today. Can we please give them a round of applause? They work very hard here at Emmanuel Church, and we're so thankful, and we love them, and we know that they will continue on to do great things. Uh, I'm going to get right into it. Many of you who know me know that I went to a school of ministry called Impact Now in San Antonio, Texas. A lot of people like to joke around with that name. They say Impact when? It's impact now, not later, right now. When I was at impact now, um, it, we kept a very busy schedule. We were always doing events in class at a church service. Almost every weekend, we would travel to other churches and minister there. So it was a, it was a grueling schedule. I, would, I remember thinking when I was there, life cannot possibly get any busier than this. Of course, I was wrong, but uh, that's what I thought at the time, and I would get tired. And one evening before we were going to go on another road trip, I was praying and I told God, I said, Lord, I'm tired. I just pray that this weekend I can get to stay in a hotel room so I can get some good rest. That was my prayer. And maybe it sounds a little bit like, uh, you know, who who is this snowflake that's like saying a prayer to like sleep in a comfortable bed in a hotel room? But hear me out. The beds we slept in at Impact Now, they weren't the most comfortable beds. And usually when we went on a trip, we would sleep on the floor a lot of times or on a couch. So this was a valid prayer for me. I was like, I'm tired, God. I, I need a comfortable bed. And so anyways, we headed out the, the next day. And when we got there, they were assigning us our places. And my friend and I, they sent us to a certain house. And they sent us to our room. And it, it was not what I was hoping for. It wasn't a hotel room. Uh, it was not the most appealing room, and I did end up sleeping on the couch that night. And 
I remember thinking, well, the Lord, he, he just didn't answer my prayer this time. And then the next day, well, some of our leaders, they actually did get to stay in a hotel room. And, uh, you know, they, they were blessed in that way. But the next day, those leaders, they came up to my friend and I, and they asked us if we wanted to trade spots with them. If we wanted to go into their hotel room, it wasn't just a, a selfish act on their uh, uh, their part. It wasn't a selfless act. Uh, they actually wanted to see some place in the morning. They wanted to go visit a place, and the house we were staying at was closer. So that's why they were willing to trade with us. But, of course, me and my friend, we accepted their offer, and I did get to stay in a hotel room that night and I thought to myself uh, well maybe the Lord he, maybe he did answer my prayers he just made me wait a little bit and maybe that could be uh, considered a coincidence something like that could easily happen but I can tell you that in that moment I considered it an answered prayer and I would even Go as far as to say it was a, a small, very small miracle for me in my life. And that's actually what we're going to be talking about this morning is miracles and the supernatural and how we can interact with the miraculous and the supernatural. And Jesus does far greater miracles than providing a night in a hotel room. I can tell you that we're going to be reading out of Luke 11, verses 17 and 19. It says, On the way to Jerusalem, he, meaning Jesus, was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance. Somebody say stood at a distance. Maybe that kind of sounds familiar to you. That was like the first century social distancing right there. The ten lepers that had to stay stand at a distance. And they lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Verse 15, then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. So here is a story of Jesus performing a miracle. He heals ten lepers. And one thing that we can see in this story is that these lepers, they, they call out to Jesus in their condition in their difficult situation. They had leprosy. Uh, I looked up leprosy on uh, WebMD. 
you know, WebMD, anytime I have any symptoms, whatever it is, I go look it up on Google, I check it out on WebMD, and I always think I have, like, the worst, uh, you know, the worst possible condition that it says there. But I did look up leprosy on WebMD, and leprosy still does exist today, uh, but it's curable today. In, in Jesus' times, it was not curable and it is characterized by disfiguring skin sores, nerve damage, loss of feeling, potential blindness, muscle weakness, and the list goes on. It's not a good condition. It's not something that you would want to have. But these lepers, they were in this condition, this, this dire situation. And in that, they cried out to God. They cried out to Jesus. Jesus entered the village and, and they cried out to him. May, I don't know how they knew who Jesus was. Maybe they had heard about him. Maybe they heard that he was saying he was the son of God. Maybe they heard that he was going around performing miracles. Maybe they even knew somebody who themselves had received a miracle. I don't know what the situation was, but I know that when they saw Jesus, they cried out to him and they had faith. They had faith. So what I ask ourselves today is do we have the faith to cry out to God when we find ourselves in a dark situation, in a dark place? Do we have faith to cry out as these lepers did? Or or has our faith disappeared? Has our faith become so small? that we no longer trust in God for the miraculous and the supernatural. It doesn't matter whatever condition you're in. Maybe it's not a a health condition like these lepers face. Maybe it's a condition of of the heart, of, of your emotions, of your mind. Whatever it is, in that condition, we must have maintained the hope, maintain the faith to be able to call out to God. In our American culture, we're not so much open to the supernatural. We have ways of thinking and and systems of living and routines that don't allow room for that. We dismiss the supernatural. Even in Christian circles, that's very common. There's no room left for the miraculous. Lee Strobel, a popular Christian author, wrote the book, The Case for Miracles. He says, whether they recognize it or not, many American Christians have relegated the supernatural and the miraculous to the past, biblical times, and elsewhere, mission fields, rather than seeing them as an ever-present possibility in their own lives. Roger Olson, professor of Christian theology at Baylor University, he says, I think a lot of people are happier living with predictability rather than really expecting God will do unusual things in their lives. They hear of supernatural activity and miracles in Africa and they say, well, praise God. But the unsaid part is, I'm really glad it doesn't happen here. 
that would be scary. That would be threatening. We have to think to ourselves, is, is this how we think about the supernatural and the miraculous? Is this how we think about it? Like, oh, it's, it's for the past. It's for another place. It can't happen in my own life. And if it did happen in my own life, I wouldn't even know what I would do. It might mess with the way I think. It might mess with the way that I live. Are you scared and threatened by the supernatural power of God because it messes with your neat and convenient understanding of the world? And if that's the case, maybe you're just hiding. You're hiding from the eventual confrontation that you will have to make, the decision that you will have to make when you face the supernatural. When you face God, see, humans are really good at hiding. Adam and Eve, the first people on earth, when they sinned against God, what did they do afterwards? They went and hid themselves from God. And I believe that is what humans have been doing ever since then. We hide ourselves from it because we can't face it. But let us not no longer hide from the supernatural, from God, from the miraculous. He is, like he said, it's an ever-present possibility in our lives. You don't know. You don't know when God is going to step into your life and do something that you don't expect. But you have to have the faith. Those ten lepers, when they saw Jesus, they believed and they cried out. But when you encounter Jesus... What will you do? What when you encounter the supernatural, what will you do? Will you cry out? Will you have the faith? And like many other Christians, we might say we believe in miracles, but how does our life change in response to that? How, how do we live in response to that information? The lepers in the story, they followed through with action. When you see, when they saw Jesus, they cried out and Jesus responded to them. He said, go and show yourselves to the priests. And what did they do? They went. They went. They obeyed the word of Jesus. They listened to his words. They did as he said. That verse says, uh, 14, and as they went, they were cleansed. A lot of preachers and commentators like to draw attention to that verse. The as they went, they were healed, meaning that as they were obedient to the words of God, they were healed. As they moved in faith, as they took action, as they responded, they were cleansed. So they responded to Jesus. Like I said, maybe they knew he was a son of God. Maybe they knew he could perform miracles. Why else would they cry out to him? They responded to that knowledge of God. How do we respond to the knowledge of God? How do we respond to the knowledge of the supernatural and the miraculous? How do we respond to the existence of God and his ability to move today? How do we respond? 
James 5, 14 through 16 says, Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. Here is a passage that was written by James, the brother of Jesus, to the early Christians. And he tells them, whenever somebody's sick, you gather the elders together. You get the anointing oil. Sometimes we we like to make fun of the anointing oil. We say, go get the oil. Go get the oil. We're going to pray. We're going to pray. And I remember at Impact Now, they had an anointing service one time. They poured the whole bottle of oil on me, all, all over my clothes. That shirt, it was a good shirt. I never wore that shirt again. It was ruined. But here the scripture tells us, Gather the elders, anoint them with oil, pray for the sick. Now we can say we believe in God, but do we respond to that knowledge? How often are we gathering the elders? How often are we reaching for the oil and praying for the sick? See, if we want to see the miraculous, then we have to put ourselves in a position to see the miraculous. We have to Uh, perform the practices that the scripture lays out for us. Our life has to be aligned with what is taught to us. It says, gather the elders and get the oil. Well, we need to do that. That's what we need to do. There's a verse in the Bible that says, taste and see that the Lord is good. You're never going to see that he's good if you never taste it, if you never put yourself in the situation. It's like uh, you have a... A plate of good food before you. Maybe you went out to eat with your friend and you see their plate and you're like, that that looks pretty good. It happens to me all the time. And uh, you're looking at it and, and you can smell it. You can almost taste it. But unless your friend offers you some of their food, then you're not tasting anything. And uh, if it's really that good, then they may not want to uh Share that plate with you. But what I'm saying is this. You got to get the fork, stick it in the food, and bring it to your mouth. You got to taste and see that the Lord is good. You got to put yourself in the situation to see the miraculous. A.W. Tozer is a famous... A theologian and minister of his time, he tells a story of a man and his wife, a very fine, intelligent couple from another city. That's how he describes them. They named the church to which they belong, and he instantly said, that is a fine church. Oh, yes, they said, but they don't teach what we came to you for. They came over because they were ill and they wanted to be anointed for healing. So Tozer got together two missionaries, two preachers, and an elder, and they anointed them and prayed for them. And he says, if you were to go to that church that they attended and you asked the minister, do you believe for healing? He would say, sure I do. But he doesn't believe it strongly enough to teach it or do something about it. It's a sad 
day whenever people can come to a church, yet there is no message of the power of God. There is no message of, of healing of the supernatural. When people think of our church in the community, when somebody in our community is sick or is facing condition, they should think, let me go to Emmanuel Church because there I know they pray. There I know they believe in the supernatural. There, that's where the stories come from of healing. Even on an individual level, when our friends get sick or they're going through a hard time, they should think, let me go to Stephen. Let me go to Selena, David, John, Natalie, because they pray, because they seek God for the supernatural and the miraculous. How do we respond to the knowledge that God heals, that he does miracles today, not just in the past, not just in other places, but here between us, between you and I and our friends and our family and our community. The lepers and the story, they were healed, the ten of them. As they went, they were healed, they were cleansed. And it says, one of them turned back. He went back to Jesus. He was praising God with a loud voice. He fell at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. This is not just a a casual uh, show of praise. This is genuine appreciation and thankfulness for the move of God in his life. It wasn't just with a a quiet voice. It was a a loud voice. He didn't just go up to Jesus and shake his hand. It says he fell at his feet, giving praise to God. And what did Jesus say? We're not the ten cleansed. Where are the nine? Where are the nine? Only one out of ten gave glory to God for the miraculous. Where are the nine? Are we the nine? Are we the nine that doesn't go back, that doesn't give glory to God for the miraculous? Is giving thanks to God rare? Is giving praise to God rare? I fear that today it's, it's not that we are not thankful to God like this Samaritan was. It's not that we're not thankful. It's that we don't even acknowledge the supernatural and the miraculous in the way that we should. It is not a part of our uh, faith experience, maybe as much as it should be. Maybe we should be praying for the miraculous and believing for it far more often than we do. When you hear about the revivals, at the early, uh, is it 20? What's the 1900s? In the early 1900s, I don't know what century, 21st or, or 20th, whichever. In the early 1900s, you had those revivals. And it's because 
There were men and women who were crying out to God for the power of the Holy Spirit. That's how it happened. And if we don't have that passion, if we don't ignite that flame, then what do we expect to see in our churches? I was... uh, I had a conversation with a friend of mine and she expressed some doubts about miracles and I myself didn't know too much about it. And I went to go and do some research about it. I was talking to different people, asking them about their experiences. I read uh, a book about it and you know, I was hearing these stories, and I felt convicted by it because it's. I told God, it's like, I, I believe in God, and I believe in you, Lord, and I believe you can perform miracles, but, but maybe I didn't really expect to see that much of it in my own life. Maybe I didn't expect for you to intervene in my life as much as you are able And I did not attribute the proper power to you. It's like, God, I I don't know what to say. It's like, I I didn't realize how powerful you really are. And I had to, I asked God for forgiveness for that. And maybe that's something that many of us need to do. We need to ask God forgiveness for making him into a God that is smaller than he really is. What do you really believe about God's power? Do you give him thanks for all that he is? Like that one leper that came back and gave glory to God. Do we give glory to God with a full understanding of all that he is and how he works in our lives. It's not just an idea that that makes us feel good on Sundays. It's not just a uh, some words that we say to raise funds for a good cause. It's not what it is. That what we're talking about is the reality of an all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present God that can supernaturally intervene in your life today, in my life, in the lives of anybody around us. Will you be one of the few, the one out of ten, not like the nine, but the one that gives glory to God? There's three things that uh, I talked about. Do we cry out to God for miraculous intervention in whatever condition that we are in? Do we respond to the knowledge of God that he exists, that he is all-powerful, that he moves today, that he can move in our lives, that it's an ever-present possibility? And do we praise and acknowledge him and thank him for that power and for that love?
Those are the three things. I was talking about how we interact with the miraculous. This, these are the questions. Do you cry out to him? Do you, how do you respond to him? And do you praise and acknowledge and thank him? I like this passage because it's about the leper that goes back to give thanks to God. And it's Thanksgiving, so it fits in somehow. But I'm not really preaching about Thanksgiving right now. And you might say, you know, John, that sounds all good and well. But what about whenever God doesn't answer? When we pray for a miracle and we believe, but the miracle, the miracle does not happen. I understand in those circumstances, it can be deeply painful. It can be damaging to one's faith. And we simply do not understand. We may question why God did not act in a certain situation. But we must continue to trust in him. We believe that God is a loving God, that he is a wise God. The decisions that he makes when we make a request, though we don't understand it, it is done in love and in wisdom. Though it hurts, we must trust God There's a scripture that says all things work out for good. We don't understand that. We can't see that. But God knows his plan for us. And that is his promise to us. That all things do work out for our good. And these are the words that we hold on to. That keep us strong. That that help us to maintain faith, hope. To hold on to hope that know that we're moving to something good, no matter what it is that we're going through. Now, I myself have had many unanswered prayers, and the prayers that have gone unanswered for me, I'm sure that there are others who, who have been in worse situations than I have. Like, if you know me, you know I always talk about my shoulders been dislocated 17 times. Many people don't know how many times I prayed for healing in that. How many times I tried to exercise my faith. One time I I was at a service where they brought in a special minister and he invited people to come up for healing. And I went up to pray, ask for healing for my shoulder. And I was praying and he came over and he laid hands on me. And after he finished praying, he said, what do you feel? And I said, nothing. And he misunderstood me. He said, that's the power of God. He thought I meant like, oh, I don't feel anything anymore. The pain's gone. I'm healed. No, that was not the case. And my friends knew it. They were laughing in the back. (laughs) They knew that when I said nothing, I actually meant, no, I did not feel anything. There was nothing. There was no answer to that prayer. And I wish God would, uh, would perform that healing, but it doesn't stop me. It doesn't stop me from believing. 
Even in the Bible, we see examples of this. We just don't, we don't understand how it is that, God's, that God works, and we need to learn about it. We need to uh, get wise about it. We need to study the scriptures and see how God works out his plans and how he works in our lives and the role that the supernatural plays. I promise you those answers are there. But even in the Bible, 2 Kings 13, we have the prophet Elijah, who himself raised a boy from the dead. It says uh, it was the son of a widow, and he had passed away, and he went up to the room where he was, and he laid himself out on the child and prayed for him, and the boy was raised back to life. But then in 2 Kings 13, you see that, and Elisha fell uh, what was it? He, and Elisha fell ill with the sickness to which he was to die from. Something like that. Here was a man, a prophet, a man of God, a holy man who raised people from the dead, yet he caught a sickness and died. He was not healed from that sickness. Is that, is that unfair of God to do? Remember, God is loving and wise. And just and good. The Apostle Paul, he preached and taught all over the Roman world. He planted many churches, yet he was arrested by the Romans. And eventually he was beheaded. That's at least that's the uh, that's the common belief. Despite all he did, I'm sure there was many people that were praying, God, please save Paul, release him from this. We're praying that he doesn't get executed, but he did get executed. Even Jesus, he went around preaching and teaching in all the towns, and he healed many sick, raised the dead, but he died a brutal death. On a cross for you and I. He even prayed to God, God, if it's possible, take this cup away from me. In in biblical symbolism, a cup represents God's wrath. He was asking God, take your wrath away from me that I don't have to go through this painful death. But he did endure that suffering. And three days later, the miraculous happened. God intervened. He was raised from the dead. And that's the hope that there is for all of us. We may not. I say that we will see miracles and the supernatural in this life. But even for the miracles that we don't see, there is that hope that in the end, we have eternal life. That we're raised from the dead. That The scriptures say there's no more pain, no more suffering, no more tears. That's what I'm talking about. We have to understand the plan of God. The plan of God that all the way that it turns out, it's all about love. It's all about healing. It's all about the good, the good things. That good is going to come. And it can come in this life. But even if it doesn't, we will see The goodness of the Lord. And those, I'm talking about times where where the prayers aren't answered, but 
there are times when the prayers are answered, when, when the miraculous does happen. And we can't ignore that. There was a woman named Barbara. This comes from that book, The, the Case for Miracles. She had progressive multiple sclerosis. There's years of medical records on this case. She had one non-functional lung, one lung functioning at 50%. She was unable to walk. She was legally blind. Her muscles degenerated because of unuse, because of the, the damage from the condition. And her story was shared on a Christian radio station and many people wrote their prayer, wrote down some prayers and they sent it into the station. And Barbara's aunt took some of these prayers to the, uh, the room where Barbara was staying at and she began reading these prayers. And as she was reading these prayers, Barbara, the woman with MS, She said she heard a man's voice, but there was no other people in the room. It was just Barbara and her aunt. She heard a man's voice, and the voice said, my child, get up and walk. I don't know if you're familiar with the New Testament stories, but how many times did Jesus tell somebody, get up and walk? And here it is, uh, somebody today saying, or a voice today saying, get up and walk. And she, she told her aunt, I don't know if you're going to believe me, but God just spoke to me. And she said, go get my family members. And so they gathered around and she jumped out of the bed. She removed the oxygen that helped her breathe. She was able to see again. Her leg muscles instantly regenerated. Her mother came up to her to feel the muscles in her legs and they were back. They were there. And she went to church that evening Barbara, and she began walking down the aisles, and everybody knew who she was. They all knew her condition, and they saw her walking without any oxygen, without any assistance. And they all began to praise God for the miracle. It says they broke out in the uh, song. I think it was Amazing Grace. I think that's, that's what they said. The whole congregation praising God for the miraculous. And that's how we have to be. We have to praise God for the miraculous. We have to be like that one leper who saw the supernatural. And he came back and he gave glory to God. We might live in difficult times right now. There might be many difficulties that you're going through. I don't know your condition, but God does, and he wants to offer you hope and comfort and peace 
and maybe even the miraculous. You may have lost loved ones. There are people that have passed away in our own church. But, Stephen, can you come up? Help me out with the music. But despite all that, we must maintain hope in God. And it's not it's not a, a blind faith. It it's based on it's based on Jesus. Jesus entered that village. Jesus enters our lives. How do we respond to that? I invite you to stand to your feet this afternoon. I don't know what you might be facing, but be assured that God knows. He never forgot you for one second. His eyes were always out on you. He was always going after you. He always loved you. Like the lepers cried out, let's cry out to him. And if we, if our faith has been weak, if we've been scared of God or the supernatural, there's no reason to uh, be afraid or uncomfortable anymore. God is love. Cry out to him in your condition. If you have to ask for forgiveness, do that. If you say, if you have to tell God, I, I, I didn't really give you the proper credit I I didn't really understand who you are and how powerful you are let's pray Father God we thank you for all that you are we thank you for your power and your love we don't always understand how you work in this life sometimes we pray and our prayers aren't answered Lord Sometimes our faith is weak. Sometimes we have doubts. But Lord, we still believe in you. We know that you have not forgotten us. We know that you have not abandoned us and that you will still move, Father God. We know that soon, Lord, soon, we will see you move in our lives, Father. God, we cry out to you. We believe for the supernatural, Lord. Help us to understand your ways. Help us to understand you and your love and how you work in our lives, Father, and what it is and what is possible for us who believe, Lord. Help us to see how we as a church can move in the power of God. 
Thank you, God. That's all that we can say. Just thank you, Father. Thank you. Like the one leper who came and gave thanks to you, who came back. We give thanks to you, Lord. We hope you've enjoyed this message. We'd love to hear your story about how you've been blessed by this ministry or how we can pray for you. To connect with us, you can email us at amen at myemmanuelchurch.com. And if you would like to support us financially, you can give online at myemmanuelchurch.com slash give. Also, if you're in the area, we'd love to see you in person for the full worship experience. Thanks again, and we hope you have a blessed week.